Welcome to Crowdfunding Uncut. This is the place where incredible project creators show you how they launch their products online using the world's largest crowdfunding engines, such as Indiegogo and Kickstarter. Hey, everyone. Thanks for coming into another episode of Crowdfunding Uncut. This is episode number 5050. Um, I think... This is the most excited I have ever been to interview someone. Um, they are the founder of two multi-million dollar companies, one starting back about 10 years ago, Bradford and Reed. Uh, I'll let him get into it. But their mm. biggest year did over $38.5 million in revenue. And then he goes on to start a company called Mixergy.com where he's interviewed over 1,300 entrepreneurs. Those have included my personal heroes, Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk, the founders of Groupon, um, Y Combinator, and just a ton of other really, really world's most successful entrepreneurs. And I took his course about a year and a half ago now. And the course is called Interview Your Heroes. It's all about how to build a brand out of podcasting. And I remember a few years ago, my friend Cam, who is this like geeky guy, but loves podcasts. He's like, Kirsten, you and I should start a podcast. I'm like, there's no way anyone wants to listen to me on a microphone for half an hour. (laughs) I hate podcasting. There's no chance. But one time, I just like, I forget the chronological order of this, but I started getting into podcasts a little bit and I came across this case study by the foundation where Andrew had uh, Andrew Warner had interviewed Sam Ovens and I was mm-hmm. so blown away by the quality of the material and the interview and how this guy was just able to get information out of a guest and, and lead them through a journey and a story and I was hooked and I just thought man this guy is amazing and Sam I'll put the link to this in the show notes but it's just his ability to for you to understand really what entrepreneurship is about and get the real information and the raw person behind that was just incredible. So that's how I became familiar with Andrew's work. And then a few months later, uh, after being subscribed to his list, all of a sudden I'm seeing, do you want to learn how to interview like me? And I was like, oh, what? Sure, whatever. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to start a podcast, but... I love this guy, so I'm just going to, maybe I'll learn something about uh, getting online. And so anyways, I, uh, long story short, started the podcast, took the course, and it is because of him, I am doing everything I'm doing today. And Andrew, I'm going to let you fill in the gaps with, with anything, but I just wanted to start by saying thank you for being amazing at what you've done and inspiring me to be on a great path to living a life and having a business like you do thanks it's been impressive what you've done with the with the site and with your business we talked before we got started about how big it's going and how much you're um tapping into this niche that i don't see many people grabbing a hold of and uh it's just inspiring to see what you've done thanks what are we going to do for the audience here today how do we make this a huge win for them i want to really rock now that i'm on this side of the microphone where i'm being asked questions yeah, well, you look as excited as I am. So Yeah, I'm ready to tear the screen open. The reason I brought you onto the show, yes. and I didn't ask you for a long time. You should have been the first person I asked onto the show, but I was waiting for a golden moment, and I didn't have a way to link you and Mixergy to crowdfunding until one day I'm in the middle of uh, 
designing, I think it was module five of my crowdfunding domination beta course. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't stop hammering home the importance of leveraging someone's audience in order to build your own. Because what crowdfunding is all about is starting from nothing and building an audience and getting raving fans. Mm -hmm. And I just remember you really driving that point home in your course about how you built Mixergy up to leverage your own personal brand. And that's what I want to talk to people about today. About yeah. You, wait, to you about, not to other people. <laughs> yeah. As well. So that's how we can make this win. I really want to understand your journey and how, it how you clued into being able to build your audience from somebody else's. Yeah, it really was hard when I was just trying to blog on Mixergy because everyone said the blogging was going to be big and I was trying to post on different social media sites and I couldn't really get much attention because I would have to ask other people to tweet for me and it was kind of begging and there was nothing in, nothing in it for them or I would have to ask them to promote in some other way. And then I just started doing interviews and I found that without even asking and I was way too shy to, to ask anyone to do anything they just started talking about it. And I remember people would forward the interviews to their wives, to their friends, and then they would forward me some of the responses from their friends. And I realized, okay, this is actually a really good way to market what I'm doing. I'm learning from, from the guests, but at the same time, I'm getting the guests to help promote it. And what I found is that if you go even outside of interviewing, if you start to think about how can you partner up with someone else and give them an interest in promoting what you've done, then you don't have to do the work yourself. You do it with them. It's how really you, helpful. How do you give them an interest in promoting an interview that you do to host on your website? Feature them in some way. So I'll give you an example. Um, I went to Justin Kahn's house to shoot video with him for something. And because I was featuring him, he, he featured me on his Snapchat, which is huge, hugely popular, especially with the startup community. And then I sat down to dinner with someone else, and he kind of did the same thing for me. He just interviewed me on his Snapchat, just asked me a question, posted it. And then I couldn't help but say to my Snapchat followers, hey, go check out what I said to him on his Snapchat account. I think if we could just find ways to feature other people, what other people have done to show off what they're, what they're working on, then they have an interest in, in promoting it. So a great example is um, one of your past guests, Pat Flynn. Mm -hmm. I remember when Clay Collins started Lead Pages, he didn't say, go check out leadpages.net slash whatever to see what this new tool is. He wanted to partner with me about it. So it would make sense that he would say that. Yeah. Instead, what he did was he said, go over to Pat's site and see what Pat said about lead pages and read that. Because now it's Pat talking about his software, which has more credibility. But what, what Clay is doing is he's promoting Pat. And Pat's really good about that. He writes about the software that he uses and gives the software creators uh, an excuse to write about him and to talk about him, to tweet about him. He writes about the services. He writes about what he's, what he's in love with that he used over the last year. So he finds lots of opportunities to not just feature his own stuff, but to feature other people in there. And then they have an interest in promoting. And do you go farther than when you so you'll publish an interview and then send it to the guest and obviously we'll ask them to promote but do you go farther than that like if if you have resources mentioned in your show how do you leverage that um i also go to the guest's friends 
I like to call it their posse, the people who really care about them, who kind of have their back online especially. And I say, look, I just interviewed your friend. I thought you might want to tweet it out. I just had your friend on Mixergy. I thought you might want to talk about it. I just talked about your friend's software on Mixergy. I thought you might want to know. And if you want to tweet, here's a link that makes it easier for you to, to tweet and to share on Facebook, et cetera. And I don't know that, that, that other people do that. I don't know if Pat does it. Pat's really smart, so I wouldn't be surprised. But imagine if he didn't just go to Clay Collins and say, hey, Clay, I wrote about you. You might want to share this with your friends. But he came to Clay's friends and told me, he said, Andrew, Clay's got this new software. I just wrote about it really positively. You might want to share this with other people so that uh, because it's such an exciting new, new piece of software that he created. Yeah. It'd be interesting if when we write about people, we don't just show it to them and ask them for a tweet, but we try to find other people or in their world who can help promote it. Do you think it's a little spammy going to someone's gang and saying, hey, I interviewed your friend? It can be. I think there's a nice way to do it and I think there's an aggressive way to do it. And if you just say to me, I'm trying to think of some like a good friend of mine, Sachit Gupta, who I might have drinks with later today. If you said to me, hey, I interviewed Sachit about how he really cares about podcasts, I'd want to talk about that. Because mm-hmm. Sachit sells ads on our podcast and I want to help him by promoting it. I know that if I, prom- if I talk about him nicely, he's going to, um, uh, he's going he's to feel positively about me like I care and I've supported him. I've helped him expand his customer base potentially because I'm promoting his interview. So if someone were to say, look, I interviewed Sachit. He was really good about talking about how he helps podcasts that really matter. You, you are included you might want to tweet this out to support him. Or even if he didn't say you were included, you might want to tweet this out to support him is all I need. Right? I'm tweeting about everything yeah. else. I'm Facebook about, Facebooking about everything else. Might as well. And I think I made this mistake too when I was first starting. I love this idea of the gang. And I would interview the guest and then I got my VA to research other people who had a vested interest. So I um, angel investors or contributors or, or something like that. And I remember... Uh, I had overall good experience, but I had this one guy and I, you know, we, we talked about this, this one guy who said, this is extremely unprofessional of you to ask me to promote. And that's where looking mm-hmm. back, I realized I made the mistake of saying, Hey, can you help me promote your friends interview? It just came off super spammy. Cause there's, you're right. There's not that win-win situation in it as well. Or maybe you just had a bad day. That guy. Could have also I, been that. <laughs> I talked to an entrepreneur earlier this week who said that he was really late for a couple of his webinars. He had this new software and he wanted to talk about it with the webinars and people signed up. And when he was late, they weren't even sure if the webinar was on. And they felt that it was a little bit sloppy and careless of him to have done that. And he apologized. But what he said to me in the interview was, Andrew, I just discovered I had cancer at the time. Yeah, and they actually had to take his ear off to take the cancer out. And then they realized that the cancer actually spread. And he said, I was coming back from seeing the doctor heading into a webinar. People don't know what's going on before they interact with you. And it's easy to take offense. Who knows what this person was going through? Oh, the story. That just like hit me in the gut a little bit. I know. Me too. Me too. I, I, um, I was shocked by that, especially since he had a kid recently. But also, I wanted to see the ear. What happened? And it's yeah. right there and very open with it. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, I wanted to see yeah. how they replaced his ear, which they did. It's pretty impressive. Um, one thing that, as a podcaster, I experienced this, and a few of my other podcasting friends do. When you put so much focus on 
the other person. So taking interviews, for example, or maybe you're creating a guest post that features industry professionals and it's less light on your shining, like what you're doing, right? How do you, I find that with me, people don't know what I do. They just hear, I'm just the podcaster and I'm just the person who interviews people like you. How do you leverage putting so much spotlight on someone else to a point where you're providing enough value to their audience for you to eventually elevate your brand? So that it's not you being the conduit for their ideas. Exactly. Like you right. end up being a, instead of you being the guy that created Bradford and Reed, you are now the, you're, because the goal with the podcast is that your aim and mixergy is to be the, the front guy, but you don't end up being the front guy if you're just in, you know, right. like, do you you're know what I mean? Right, you're the guy, yeah. Yeah, you're just and the guy. And that becomes that... an issue too if you're, if you're someone who's writing about other people's technology in order to get attention for yourself, and people aren't seeing you at all. How do you get What I found that? is that adding your own opinion where it makes sense, where it feels right within the conversation or within the post really helps. And in the past, I used to think that when an interviewer interrupted a guest to say, well, here's how I did it, that they were being a little rude because no one's here to hear you. We're here to hear the guest. What I've discovered is that it can actually be a really effective way to let the audience know what you're about and what you've done. And so if someone in, if, if a guest says that they use email in an especially good way and I have a way that I use it too, I think it's on me to then bring that up and to talk about how I do it and maybe even get an opinion from the guest about it. Yeah, because in, um, in doing some research about you, um, there's a post about, I think it's mixturedy.com slash my financials where you made a video because a lot of your audience was asking you what you did before Mixergy. Yeah. And did you make that because you weren't giving yourself enough of the spotlight? I think it was because of that. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have at the time considered it a spotlight, but what I thought was I need them to know a little about me too. They're asking what I did before, and I'm not telling them because I think that as an interviewer, I shouldn't, but they're letting me know that I'm wrong. I really should be doing it. Yeah. And one thing I'm, I'm looking for, because there's so many different ways now to build your content library and leverage someone else's audience. Um, you can do an interview guest post. You can do guest blog somewhere. You can start a podcast if you know that you're starting a product launch in about a year. But if you have a post on something and you know that you're about to launch something, let's, it doesn't have to be crowdfunding, but say you know that you're launching a brand new course in six months and you're using blog posts to start tailoring the conversation to build a specific email list around that launch. What is one thing you would suggest? About building an email list around the launch? Yes. So you have a, okay, so you have a blog post that features someone else. But then there will be a call to action at, say, the bottom of that post. Mm -hmm. How can you go from guest spotlight to your project or your launch? Gotcha. Um, what I found works is to have it somehow connect to what we were just talking about. So one example could be here in this interview is, a, say, do you want Andrew's checklist for working with, for getting for getting influencers to promote your work and all you do is you take out the top 10 things that I talked about you put them into a, a nice looking word doc 
probably wouldn't use Word. I'd use Pages. It seems to have nice yeah. templates. <laughs> and then anyone who gives you their email address gets that. Okay. But, and, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Sorry. You know what? One thing that I found other people do well, and they don't like to talk about it, but they use con- they use group contests. So what they do is they say, look, I don't have enough of an audience to really promote something on my own. I want to promote it with with other people. And I keep trying to think of how can we work with other people so that we're all helping to mm-hmm. to grow each other's list. Yeah. Um, and so what I've seen work well is contests where multiple people are promoting the same contest. Everyone who enters gets a prize from each one of the of the sponsors of the contest and then all the sponsors of the contest, all the people who are organizing it get the email addresses so they can follow up. Mm-hmm. And I used to think that this was a small direct marketers technique and then I saw that there are big magazines, big publications that actually have a message board where they all talk to each other and share, like, and try to negotiate deals for how to get together and organize uh, a contest together. And I'm seeing that more and more people are thinking about about marketing that way. How do I not just talk about myself, my own stuff, but how do I get other people to talk about it by including them in it, the way we're talking about with interviews? Yeah, I'm just trying to think of how you would. Can, how because I love that idea, but how would you do it around a crowdfunding campaign? I, I wonder if you could do five different crowdfunding campaigns, each one offering something for free. They have to list it to their each one offering their thing for free. They have to then promote it to their lists, and then they all get to split the list that. and talk to everyone on the list about all of their campaigns. But the trick is that they all have a similar audience with right complementary really products. Important. Yes. Okay. I like that. Because then what you could do with that, and I might just be giving someone a great idea, but assuming there's a crowdfunding community, you can have your members, because um, it's hard to identify uh, campaigns pre-launch because they, you know, they're generally not on one platform until they make it to Kickstarter or Indiegogo. So if you can have that like central location where you know and can partner up with launches, then you can create this group effect. Yeah. I love that because it gives it, more power than just your own. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm curious with all the, like what kind of strategies have you used with Mixergy to leverage another person's audience? And what was the most effective one? The most effective one is as soon as I interview someone, I ask them, would you mind promoting this to your audience? Okay. And then they say yes. Um, yeah, that's that's been the number one thing. Why do you okay? Because me, my that's interesting. Because after this interview, had you not just said that, I would have uh, next week when or when this interview goes live, I would have said, "Hey, Andrew, it was great interviewing you. Can you, if you love it, can you help me promote it?" Yeah. As opposed to taking, so you take that extra step and get a verbal commitment before you actually. Right. Yeah. Why do you do that? Um, when we're on the call, we can actually talk about a way to do it. If you get an email from me later, you could procrastinate. And then after three days, you might think, all right, it's too long. It's too late. I'm not going to do it. You know, but if I get you on the phone after an interview on Skype, after an interview and I ask you, you're much more likely to stick with it. Man. Okay. No, that's, that's really, that makes sense. Yep. I'm wondering what is the most significant thing that drives you to keep doing what you're doing? Um, I'm really just so curious. And I also, frankly, there's an ego involved. I love that people get to know me because I, I do this. I agree. Yeah. There's you know, like, I wonder if yeah. like, if someone was doing a Kickstarter campaign for 
um, for an iPhone-related product. Mm-hmm. There are a handful of people who really do great unboxings and, and um, uh, great unboxings and reviews on YouTube. Like I'm thinking about Lou from Unbox Therapy, for example. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering why wouldn't they just interview Lou and five other people and understand what are you looking for when you unbox or what are you looking for when you review? How do you like to do it? And it doesn't really take that long. And frankly, the, the audience of people who are going to potentially buy this stuff are going to be interested in the people who are reviewing it. And then there's an incentive for the reviewer to go and promote it by by sharing it somewhere. That's true. And Okay. I have to look up this unbox therapy. But, I'm uh, so addicted to this thing and I don't want to be. The thing, the reason that I'm addicted to it is because he's just unboxing little gadgets and he only spends three minutes on it. Oh my and God. it's interesting. So for three minutes, I feel like, all right, I'm almost done with my lunch. Why don't I just go grab something? Why don't I go watch something fun? Feels so like he a good thing just does he unboxes things and does a demo of what it works and his right. like first. Yeah, and okay. what it's like to use it for the first time. So one of the recent ones that he did was uh, gloves that you can use to make phone calls. Turns out that worked. What? <laughs> yeah, the okay. latest Samsung phones. I think he'll unbox and use it and talk about talk about it. That's really interesting because it reminds me of. So okay, when I think unbox me, the what I would have done is thought okay well like any youtuber they want to be paid to promote but this is kind of like the backwards way of how you um got fresh books as your first sponsor right you didn't yeah. pitch them yeah i wanted to learn from them yeah so what did you do there i called them up and i said i'm thinking of buying i'm thinking of adding ads to my site can i see how you think about advertising and so there's a guy at every company, every one of these big companies who's responsible for acquiring new users. His job was to pay people like me to get him more users. And so he started showing me. He said, look, this is a site that does well for us. Here's another one that doesn't do so well. And I said, what's the commonality? What works? And he said, freelancers are really good. So if you go after freelancers, then you'll be able to get a lot of customers for fresh books. And I started asking him more questions like, how much is a new customer worth to you? And I forget the number he told me, but it was something like $7.50. So I yeah. said, great. So if I get you, if I charge you seven hundred and fifty dollars for a month of ads, and I get you a hundred new customers, are you going to be thrilled? I said, yeah. I said, great. I guarantee it. Why don't you, you pay did. me seven hundred and fifty dollars? If I don't get you a hundred people, you don't have to pay anything. All I want is just feedback. I want to know: did I get ten? Did I get a thousand? Be open with me, so I know how effective my list is. And then it worked. And then that first month, because you promised them, I think seventy new users in that first month, was it or? Yeah, I forget the actual numbers at this point because it's been a while, but what we were really clear about was I'm promising you a certain number of people. If I don't get it, you don't have to pay me. I know the answer to this because I took your course, but how did you – you guaranteed a number and you surpassed that number. What was the bait you used to get Uh, that number? I wanted to know if they were actually being honest with me, if I could – if I could trust their numbers and I wanted to get a sense for myself of who was signing up. So I said, if you go and sign up for FreshBooks and then invoice me, here's my email address, just send me your first invoice so you can practice sending an invoice out and I can actually see that you're using it. If you do that, I'll hit reply and I'll tell you what my deal was with FreshBooks. I'll tell you how much money I made, what they're getting for it. And if you're curious, this is a good way for you to satisfy that curiosity. So I started getting emails from people and I got a sense of which ad was getting people and which one wasn't. That was really helpful. And these were uh, verbal ads, like sponsored ads on your. Uh, well, you yep. did you have a podcast yep. at that time? 
yeah, I think from the beginning, but I de-emphasized the podcast back then. Now that podcasting is huge, I emphasize it and I de-emphasize video on my site. That's something that just amazes me is there's so much free content out there that you have a subscription model that is very successful, uh, mm-hmm. Mixergy Premium. How do you get people to value the content that is in Mixergy enough to pay $25 or is it 25 still? Now it's 50, 50 bucks a month, right? How do you get people to value the information enough to pay $50 a month? By showing them what they could do with it and what they could achieve because of it. So if you're just signing up for a monthly membership for 50 bucks and all you're getting is a membership, it's just not useful enough. But if I can show you that by signing up to this membership, you're going to increase your mailing list. Well, you know what that is worth. In fact, I tell you, we also have a course that will help you increase your conversions because we've got someone who creates conversion software teaching you how to do it, then you can also picture how much that would be worth to you too. And the more we talk about what the value is to you, the better it is. Right. And you, do you think, by the way, so yeah. earlier in the conversation, we talked about doing interviews. What yeah. do you think about the idea of a crowd, a crowdsourced entrepreneur doing interviews with the kinds of people that she wants to have uh, review the product, the kinds of people who are influencers of the product, if it might be someone on Snapchat, who is into I the think product, etc. It's amazing because okay, so just what I've seen uh-huh. from podcasting, um, my network has like it's yeah. I mean, look, I was I was on a beach three months ago drinking with Jordan huh. Harbinger of the Art of Charm. I am now working with Ramit Sadie's brother. Yep. Um I hang out with Yaro Starak. I've created yep. an elite group of entrepreneurs in Toronto. Um None of this would have been possible had I not connected with people like yourself on a podcast. Yeah. There's like, okay. And so in saying that you build a relationship with someone over an hour um, and you reach out to people and whatever, it's, it's great. But what that would allow you to do is get your product in front of influencers that otherwise would have ignored your email. So not only are you providing value by, because just say um, you interview five top industry professionals uh, or influencers relevant to your product and you include them on a blog post or a podcast or whatever, you're helping them build their audience, you've built rapport, and that is a great segue into getting ad- like feedback on your product and so much so that when you launch, they may actually help you promote Right, and you understand yeah. how they like to be reached out to, et cetera. So it might be something like, I'm looking at a pair of earphones right now that are on Kickstarter. They've raised about $800,000 today. Mm-hmm. If I were working with them, one of the things that I'd suggest that they do is interview the kinds of people who would, who would review their earphones. And it's easy to figure it out because you just search for Kickstarter earphones on some of the major tech blogs mm-hmm. and you get not the sites that do it, but the names of a specific person who's actually doing the reviews. And you say, I'm doing a series of interviews with people who review earphones. I just want to know, how do you think about earphones? I, you think about them in a different way. You listen through them in a different way from other people. Let's talk about it. And you just publish five or ten of them. I don't care how much. I don't care even if anyone listens. But you'll see that people will listen because they have a big following. And they're not used to – actually, they are used to promoting their own stuff. Yeah. They're, so they'll tweet it out. They just don't get a lot of opportunities to promote themselves. And so they're, they'll promote the fact that they were doing an interview with you. And now what you've gotten is about half hour to an hour of their time where you're just 
talking to them, asking them questions, taking an interest in them. And people are interested in people who are interested in them first. And so that's the thing that could work. What I like to see is I get so many requests from people to help promote the fact that they have some kind of um, new thing on Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. So many requests from people who are now on Kickstarter who just want to be interviewed because they're on Kickstarter. If someone said, look, I know, Andrew, you must get a lot of requests from people who are in Kickstarter. I want to know how you think about who to have on. How do you think about who to feature? I'm just doing a series with great reporters like you or great interviewers, great journalists like you. I, th- I would do it, especially if they had – yeah, I would do it, especially if they were thinking about a few other people who I, who I admired and respected. And then now we've spent an hour together. I'm much more likely to like them, and if I don't end yeah. up promoting them on, on Mixergy because of it, I might end up tweeting about them afterwards when they launch, and I'm very likely to buy it because now we're friends. So I think that we need to take more of an interest in people. I think we need to spend time really asking them questions, learning from them, having them get to know us by being curious about them, and I think the interview process is a good way to do it. I think it's still underutilized, dramatically underutilized, and the tools today for doing it are forget about it, out of this world. You can just go to Blab. It doesn't even have to be so overly thought out that you have a podcast mic like you and I do. You just go to Blab, turn on your computer, talk to the person, ask them questions, learn from them. Yeah. And I have to say, uh, not an affiliate of Interview Your Heroes, but guys, really go to interviewyourheroes.com. It's an amazing course um, if you want to get into podcasting or even interviewing. So Yeah. And I'm not promoting it either. We're actually not opening it up for, I don't know when, maybe 2017. So it's not oh, about promotion. It's just yeah. you could it's do it without value. me. Even. It's just I really believe in it because yeah. I've seen the results. I've seen what happens. Like you said, if you only got to get to know Pat Flynn and me and Yaro, did you interview Yaro? Is that how you guys first yeah, connected? Yeah. Right? You talked to me about how much you learned from him. That alone would be priceless. That alone has actually helped you think about your business in a different way. That's what people need to be doing. Completely. Take an interest in other people and they will take an interest in you. But you should start first. And I think an interview is a good way to do it. Yeah. Uh, one thing that entrepreneurs struggle, uh, not just entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. but you're, you love sales yourself mm-hmm. and people struggle to ask really difficult questions uh, in sales. It's asking for business. It's asking for the clothes. Mm-hmm. You are the guy that asks questions. You don't yes. have permission to ask. You ask yes, the yeah. ones that nobody else asks. I want to know, and I'm going to try, I can't word this without sounding rude, but what, what do you think gives you the not the right yep. to be the guy to ask these questions live? What gives you that confidence? Um, even outside of interviews, I ask really deeply personal questions. Um, I was just talking to Nathan Latka recently, and he reminded me that when we had dinner together, I asked him and everyone else around the table when they lost their virginity. We're talking really personal questions. And for him, it's not like he has some braggy number that he could say, this is when he did it. And the reason that I do it is because I really care. I care about the person and I try to just open up to whatever I'm curious about. And we happened to be talking about relationships at the time. And I said, look, I think that actually that I was overly worried about when I lost mine. And it turns out that 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 I shouldn't have been, that everyone mm-hmm. loses it at a different age. And I shouldn't have felt like I was so far behind. And being open like that and then seeing if anyone else feels comfortable being open, I think is is – it's how we get close to each other, how we actually care about each other. You and I are, are super close friends, even though we only saw each other that one dinner in person, right? Yeah. My wife met someone else at that table who she's still friends with years later. 
So in person, it's the same thing as it is in the interviews. I really care. And if it's in an interview, I let them know, I want to really learn from you. I'm here because you achieved something that I admire so much that I want to spend an hour. And if I'm really coming from a good place of trying to learn from them, nobody takes offense. Right. I shouldn't say nobody. Some people do, and you have to just be okay with it. But it's hardly anyone who takes offense. So what is... I also have a couple of tricks for how to ask questions, so I'm not, not like... So I actually, not coming across as a jerk. I'm going to get to that in a second. Yes. But there is a mental block that many people have. And that mental block can stop them from asking someone to be interviewed because they they have this, um, you use your, your, anyways, this like negative thought track. Yep, yep. They have, well, I don't, they might think I'm bothering them or... I don't want to ask them to promote. Why would they want to help me promote? And I could always like justify it by saying, well, it's their vested interest. But what is one piece of advice you would give to help people ask those tough questions they would be uncomfortable asking? I think for that, it's important to just get to in touch with why you're asking it and what your mission is. So we have someone who's in Interviewer Heroes right now who wants to ask tough questions of people he admires. And because he admires them so much, he just can't bring himself to, to talk the way that he talks normally with other people. And so I asked him, why are you interviewing them? And he said he's starting a nonprofit. And actually, he started a while back. He's building it up. And he really wants to learn, how are they doing it? What are they? Why, what's working for them with their nonprofits? And if he gets in touch with that, he gets excited about asking them. He's really clear about why he's doing it. It doesn't matter if he asks in a sloppy way at that point because having a polished way of asking a question is not nearly as important as learning how to grow his his nonprofit, which he deeply believes in. So we have to get in touch with why we're doing this. What are we trying to achieve? What's our goal? And I, I do believe we have these two tracks in our heads. One, as I, I call the countermind, the part that just wants to disagree and counter everything we do. And we spend too much time thinking about that, giving that countermind space in our heads to control what we do. We also have another side, which is our true mind. What is it that we truly want? What is it that's truly going to happen here? What are we truly um, working for? And for this guy with the nonprofit, it's to build his nonprofit. For everyone who's listening, they should be aware of the fact that they have that countermine track. And once you start to notice it and question it, it'll dissipate. It never goes away completely. I don't know anyone who doesn't have it. But the more you more you pay attention to it, the more silly it seems, the more you question it, the more ludicrous it is, and it goes away. On the other hand, if you pay attention to your true mind and you remember what do you want to achieve here, what's true and useful for you to focus on, then you can actually spend uh, uh, your time in a much more productive, much more accomplished way. Yeah, and what you focus on really manifests itself. Yeah. Right? If you yeah. if you're trying to ask out a girl, or so for for me, if I'm mm-hmm. trying to ask out a guy and I think, "Oh, he's too good-looking for me," or "I look crappy today," or whatever, he's out of my league. Um yeah, if I go talk it to shows. him, He's going to be like, well, who is this really unconfident chick? And I won't get his number. Alternately, if I go around and just have a witty thing and I'm confident and I'm not looking for anything specific out of the exchange, he's more likely to talk to me and you never know there might be something there. You know, yeah, I, all yeah. these micro movements and other and other people pick up on them. 
I've asked questions sometimes that seem a little abrasive and I notice like a split second glance from the person where they are checking me out to see, is this guy for real or is he trying to take advantage of me here? Is he for real and really cares? What's this about? And they could tell because I'm not putting it on. In every aspect of my being, I'm here to really learn. I'm really trying to build something important. I'm really trying to make my company, my product into something that is so strong that people have their lives changed by it and that it outlives me. And when you talk to me, when you look at me, you can see that that's what I'm trying to do. And that's what it means to be in your true mind. People pick up on that. People pick up on it. They're Just like when you're saying it. the same thing and you're trying to be a little bit snarky, they could they could pick up on that too. Absolutely. I know we're getting short for time, so I have one more question for you. Yep. Is there something that I should have asked you, but I haven't? Hmm. Um, I can't think of anything that actually has come to mind. Here's what I would do, though. Anyone who's listening to me who's trying something that they heard from this, I want to be there to help you out. So just reference this interview, even if it's, and my guess is that usually it's like one person who has the guts to do it. And that person ends up being someone that I especially care about. Um, so there's even one person out there who got something useful out of this and wants some help pulling it off or wants some clarity on it or just wants to say hi. I'm going to give you my email address. It's my personal email address, same one my wife uses, same everything. It's andrew at mixergy.com, andrew at mixergy.com. Just let me know what you're what you're working on. And remember, just reference this interview because I uh, I get a lot of email and I want to make sure that I'm taking good care of you because I'm saying this. So just email me and I'd be happy to help out. Even put crowdfunding and cut in the subject line that might help with the yep. inbox clutter a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice hack that I use. But uh, yeah, this has been great. And um, if people want more information about you and what you're working on, where should we send them? Mixergy, M-I-X-E-R-G-Y.com. Fantastic. All right, well, this has been fantastic. So uh, thanks cool. so much for being on the show and uh, keep being awesome. Thanks for having me on. And you know what? Just to make it official, I got a clapboard here. Let's use the clapboard. Oh, my God. In case you end up using the video. It's a Man, I wrap. need one of those. Ah, I'm going to try and repurpose this video because I'm in the middle of getting a YouTube channel up that is going to feature a weekly video on one specific crowdfunding tip to help you get ready for your upcoming launch. Man, this interview, I think, this is one of my favorites. Andrew has been a honestly a hero of mine since I started like if, you know if it wasn't clear he's the reason I'm doing everything I am today um so him and Tim Ferriss are pretty much neck and neck and in, in my mind so be sure to check out his stuff and in the meantime uh if you are preparing for your upcoming crowdfunding launch you should head over to crowdfundinguncut.com we actually have a wait list on for our uh September cohort of our six-week program which is going to teach you everything you need from zero to launch and how to have a successful campaign um, and building your audience and, and all that stuff. So information is on there. And hey, if you have a topic you want me to cover or a crowdfunding campaign that you just want me to bring onto the show and dissect, um, please send me an email. Uh, we'll be in the show notes, but my email is uh, k, letter k, at kirstenross.com. Uh, my name is... Uh, Hard to spell if you're familiar with it. It's K-H-I-E-R-S-T-Y-N. Uh, you know, I've thought about legally changing it, but then I wouldn't be unique anymore. And I think I'm just going to keep it, and it's going to take you guys at least 96 times before you could spell that right. Um, or you could just go to the show notes and click on the link. So 
Thank you so much. And uh, next week, we are going to be diving into a different side of crowdfunding. It's actually the manufacturing and fulfillment. We're bringing Dylan Horvath on from Cortex Designs here in Toronto. And we're just going to dive into things that you need to know if you're if you're developing a physical product and when is the ideal time to launch based on pricing and all that. So really looking forward to that. And uh, take care. Are you launching a product on either Kickstarter or Shopify and you're feeling completely overwhelmed with the process? Hi there, my name is Kirsten, the CEO of Launch and Scale. To date, we've helped several online sellers sell millions of dollars online and scale their business from zero to seven figures by focusing on building an audience of fans that will actually convert into paying customers. If you're serious about building a seven-figure e-commerce brand with less time and less risk, you should check out our product launchpad. PLP is a proven accelerator that takes you step-by-step through the process of launching and scaling your product brand. Brands like the Monk Manual, Aberlite, Series Chill, Jamstack, and several others were all launched using our product launchpad. So if you'd like to be our next success story, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more. And for a limited time, we're offering a seven-day trial of the product launchpad for only $1. Again, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more.